we know it's not sponsored, but the fact that you're showing what you've been gifted, there's obviously going to be a little bit of bias there. No, there's not. Mm. Because, and it sound, uh, this does sound like me showing off, I post the unboxings of maybe 15% of what I am sent. Yes. I only show things if it's a brand that I'm excited about. Perhaps I already use the products. Um, I only really show stuff that I think... I will actually have an opportunity to use this. I get sent stuff all the time, but I don't even take the seal off because I am taking it to the women's shelter and they don't accept things without a seal. I'm Alison Rice and welcome to Offline, the podcast. These are honest conversations about true self with the people behind the Instagram accounts and the teachers who help us on our way. A lot has changed since I launched offline in September 2018. It started as a podcast, and thanks to your ongoing support, it turned into a movement. Today, offline exists to help us explore the essence of who we are and how to live, create, and succeed in alignment with that. This is our true self. There's the podcast a series of online courses I've created with our collective needs in mind and experiences that allow us to connect as a community. Visit getoffline.co to find out more or follow getoffline.co on Instagram. I hope this episode helps you on your way. Thank you for being here. My next guest is one of the most talented and entertaining women in the Australian beauty industry right now. Gemma Watts is a Melbourne beauty journalist, podcaster, copywriter, photographer, and the proud founder of Glow Journal. She started out in fashion journalism before falling in love with beauty, and in my humble opinion, is now leading the way for objective and smart beauty content here in Australia. I decided that instead of asking Gemma about her makeup tips, I'd see what would happen when you give two journalists and podcasters a microphone and a brief to have an honest conversation. The result? A diverse and I hope interesting deep dive on everything from business strategy, the art of saying no, our responsibility as creators, dealing with plagiarism, navigating sponsored content, Botox, for the record she hasn't, her forehead just doesn't move, transparency, privacy and more. I hope you love this honest conversation. Gemma is fun and funny and smart and witty and all of the things. Here's Gemma and I for Offline. So you know this is um, a podcast about honest conversations about true self. Yes, I am well aware. I'm feeling like the tone of this one is going to be less... In the emotions? I mean, we can take it wherever you'd like to take it. Yes, go nuts. Hmm. So you were saying before we started recording that, you know, we get incredible opportunities to Mm -hmm. be profiled, to be interviewed as I'm interviewing you now. And there's this, I guess, growing importance for us to be a little bit more, dare I say, strategic. Mm. No, I would say strategic. Yeah, with where we're putting ourselves and Mm. what we're doing. So first I want to say thank you for saying yes. Oh, of course. But we did have a beautiful listener of mine say to you, imagine. Divine. He's a um, big Glow Journal supporter as well. Oh, he's heaven. Absolute heaven. Mm. He's going to be there tomorrow actually. Oh, an angel. I know, so I'm going to get to meet him. But I know he said to you it would be so incredible, imagine that. And I was like, well, (laughs) here's the thing, you're on my list. Hey. But I've been, um, as I do, quietly following you for some time. Oh, likewise. Like a little stalker that I am. Well, that is the purpose of social media, (laughs) is it not? Um, But you're extremely entertaining. Thank you. On Instagram. I hope that comes across. Yeah. I entertain myself, so it's (laughs) nice. I would like to know um, perhaps what it's felt like to grow a following and the reason I ask that question is I'm starting to um understand that for myself Mm -hmm. I mean I'm I'm niche I'm like if you know me you know me if you don't you don't but you're really starting to gain traction and I just want to know what that feels like maybe objectively I think 
I think where I perhaps differ from, I mean, I don't want to generalise, but I suppose from the bulk of the influencer community, influencer in inverted commas, is that I even now still feel very detached from it. Mm. I don't really post anything about my life in a wider sense on Instagram. For me, it has always felt like work. That being said, Instagram isn't my job. It is a fabulous way to earn additional income, but it's um, it's not my be-all and end-all. So for me, I think it's nice to have grown a following because I place such value on my work. Mm-hmm. So I know that people are following me for that. It's mm-hmm. not because I you know, look a certain way. If I were a model or something like that, I would be thinking, okay, are these people following for me or are they following for... My face. Yeah, or bikini shots, Mm. um, which just didn't stop Love Island from sliding into my DMs. But I I feel very (laughs) detached from it. So, But it is a nice thing because it is a wonderful way for me to direct people to the other facets of my business. But strategic, the word that you've used is the word that I would use because everything I do is pretty much seeded in strategy. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting thing because when I started the podcast, I kept saying, you know, I've spent a decade writing strategy and building brands. Like that's Mm. in my DNA. That's what I do. I didn't apply a strategy to this, but then I guess where I've ended up is like, oh, I'm just a strategic person. So I'm at a point now where I don't have to physically write Mm. The strategy perhaps whereas when I had people to report into and a CEO and mm. founders of big global brands that I had to show them. This was is the plan. Exactly. Yeah. Versus this now feels to me that it's wholly organic and genuine but at the same time, yeah, like I, it, like we were saying before, it's not my first rodeo. Like yeah. I can see where this could go and what this could be. But I think if you're an intuitive person, which I think that we both are, Running your own business, a lot of the strategy does come down to intuition. Mm-hmm. You don't have to. Um, and Zoe Foster Blake did an interview yesterday that she was talking about how um, she never really likes answering, where do you see yourself in five years? Because she's more focused on if I'm doing good work in this moment, that's that's where my focus needs to be. And I think as much as I feel as though I'm playing the long game and longevity is always in the back of my head. I just, I don't know, that really resonated with me. I just Mm. feel like if I'm doing good work and thorough work and making the right decisions in this moment, the rest will all come. Yeah. Mm. I've been talking about um, slow, Mm. deliberate. Yes. Impeccable. Yes. All of those things. And any time my ambition really winds up because I've given it a bit of a, a year-long break where I'm like, we're still in chill mode, Alison. Let's just mm-hmm. relax. Anytime I feel it really bubbling up, I'm like, slow, deliberate. But then knowing Impeccable. knowing to check in with yourself, that takes intuition. I think mm. just for me, I've always struggled to articulate it because while I do think of myself as a forward thinker and I'm very future and goal-oriented, I there's not a five-year plan in place. Me either. So it's a, it's a strange mix of thinking about the future but also being in a specific moment. Mm. Mm. If I think about the future, what would be important to me that I'm doing work not only that I love but I think is additive, and I know you're big on this as well, mm. it's, um, it's not about me, it's about the work I'm doing and the message. Absolutely. It's very grounded in this podcast. Do I have – I want enough money to live a comfortable life mm-hmm. but I don't want all of the money? Yeah. Um, I don't think it's wrong to be motivated by money. I think people mm. start to think it becomes a bit dirty but I I love money. I love, mm. you know, earning. Do you have – so you have a positive relationship with money. Yes. Were you taught about money or no? Mm. Yeah. And you know what? I wasn't taught about money necessarily – but I was taught that if you want something, whether that is 
you know, a big lofty goal or something material, you have to work for it. I'm an only child, so people assume, oh, you must have just had everything handed to you. But my parents had said from day one, oh, you want you want that Britney Spears album? You got to work for it. You got to hit me, baby, pocket, one more yeah, time. <laughs> pocket money. So I, I've always understood that if I want something, and I, I mean, the irony now being having an Instagram <laughs> platform, there is a lot of things that do just come to me, mm. but I still think I'm working for them, even if there's not money exchanging hands. This is an interesting thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. How do you think about? God, this is an expansive topic, but how do you think about the privilege of the position we're in? Because I like what you just said then. So I really sometimes struggle with this because I'm like, mm. I'm invited to this, I'm given this, I'm because of the work I'm doing. Yes. It's not just arriving, it's yeah. because of what I'm cultivating here. I'm often, um, people will say, oh, you're so lucky. And for a long time... I wanted to bite back and go, well, it's not luck, it's hard work. But that now that I've, I really think about it and I've thought about it more in the last 12 months, it's very ignorant of me to say it's not luck because I'm lucky not just that I, you know, have the opportunities that I have, but that I am, that I look a certain way, that I'm able-bodied, that I was able to go to university and have a decent education. Like there's so much of that that comes into play mm. before I can go, yeah, but I've worked hard. There are a lot of people working hard, but they may never be able to afford themselves the opportunities that I mm. have. So luck is kind of the, the umbrella that we're all working mm. beneath. Then well, and I, therefore isn't luck privilege? It is. Totally. I, re- yeah. I really think they are one and the same. Yeah. Yeah. Which it's is like, which is a hard thing, but then it's also. Right. But then. How do you imagine the alternative? Totally. And where I get extremely comfortable is um, privilege is one thing. Mm. It's what you're going to do. Yes. With that privilege, because this is, you know, and I would harp on about this all day, but it's on us now. Mm, of you know, course. we, if you have the platform, mm. what are you going to do with it? And that's a decision every single day. How yeah. do you think about the jobs you take and the jobs you don't take? I think self-awareness is one of my strengths. I would say that's a defining trait of mine. I, again, it's intuition. I have a very keen sense of, okay, this brand is aligned with what I'm doing. This is not. I have. I, I grapple with it because beauty Essentially, I'm telling people what they should and shouldn't put on their face. Mm. So I think for me, it is about reiterating, no one needs any one product. I will never write a review and say, you must have this because no one needs anything. So I'm constantly reminding myself of that. And I also would never want any woman to feel like beauty in you know, as far as products go should be there to change the way that they look. I've talked Mm. about this before. While I think there is a real art to this Kardashian genre of makeup and the cream contouring and stuff, that is art, but that doesn't sit all that well with me because Mm. I don't want people to feel like they have to change the way their bone structure looks or, you know, I want to make this part of my face look bigger. It should just be about enhancing what's already there. So that is something that I constantly check in with myself. Okay, is this a brand that is trying to change the way a woman's face looks or a man? This is interesting. Or is this brand just giving you something to give you a little pep up? Mm. It's a fine line, but once you kind of figure that out, Mm. it certainly made it easier for me to say yes and no to jobs. And then I'm interested to know because I've got my own – way of doing it in my own line, how do you say no? Um, And let's talk about how do you say no to jobs? How do you say no to opportunities that people might think are a given? I'm in that space now where people assume I'll say yes and so there's that Mm -hmm. awkward dance of... I have found saying no to things to actually be more empowering than the things that I say yes to. That's, again, something that 
I've only that penny only dropped when I started working for myself. Um, and probably only six months in because when you first start your own business. Would you say yes to everything? Of course. Oh, and and in a sense you you sort of have to to get your name out there and to earn. But now I'm again fortunate that I'm in a position where I can say no to things and not have it affect my capacity to earn. If it is something like a copywriting job, the jobs that I'm saying no to are the jobs that A, don't um, say the client really wants to heavily negotiate. I'm very aware of what my value is at this point. So I'm happy to say, look, unfortunately, we'll have to pass. I will also say no if I don't think I'm the best writer for the job. If it's the bulk of my copywriting work is in beauty. But there was a point where I was taking on social media clients Let's do a marketing strategy. That's not my area of expertise. That's oh, I'm why so I'm glad you said that. Well, uh, there was. I spent probably the first year. A lot of the money I was earning was from managing brands, social media, and writing up their strategy. That's not me. So now I say to brands, the way that I work is: you will hand me the strategy. I will deliver the content. I will tie that up in a neat little parcel, and I will hand that back to you do with that what you will. Mm. That doesn't always fly with brands because they want to be able to pay one person to do do all of that. What it has meant for my business is that the brands that I'm working with completely understand what I'm doing. They don't expect me to write a strategy for them. Mm. I am clear about what I'm going to deliver from the outset and it just makes everything else run really smoothly. I'm so glad you brought this up. In the coaching that I've been doing on Wednesdays, incredible women with great ideas, leaving their jobs, going out and launching businesses. One of the biggest pain points I'm hearing and certainly I experience myself is when you're um, when you're a digital expert, there's this um, perception that you do everything. Mm-hmm. And part of what I've been coaching on is um, – discussing with clients what in-category expertise yes. looks and sounds like. Because mm-hmm. I'm the same. There's this um, expectation that I'll be able to like run your marketing yep. campaign. And and I'm like, where did, where did we get to this world where it's, it's not a positive thing for anyone in our industry to be a slashy? Yeah. Just um, do yeah. what you do really well. And decline opportunities that demand you to be this one-stop shop because there is no quality there. Absolutely. Mm. And it it is a risk. To streamline a business is a risk because that does, if we're we're talking money, that does decrease your capacity to earn because you are honing in, this is what I'll say yes to, which then in turn means the things you're saying no to Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a huge group of jobs. But in the, again, long game, it's for the best because now word of mouth, mm-hmm. Gemma is really good at XYZ. this, this, this. Yeah. Me too. But even things as simple as I'll have clients t- come to me for photography, I will shoot, I have a very specific style. The styling of the photos can change but I am shooting mostly product because that is a way of shooting and I'm shooting natural light. So if a client comes to me, says, how much would you charge for this number of photos? I always go back and say, I need you to send me references because if this is using studio lighting and if there's a model, I'm not going to be able to do it. Mm. I can recommend many photographers who are better for the job and I'm happy to do that because I – sincerely believe that there is room for everyone to succeed and do well. So I'm happy to just palm people off. How did you learn photography then? Because I want to talk a bit about writing. Yeah. Um, As I'm like, very rarely do I get to interview other writers and journalists. It's very exciting. It's my first love. But how, so if I, we'll come back to that. Sure. You obviously have um, diversified and Mm. continue to upskill, which is incredible. Photography I find isn't a natural like on my Instagram and with my phone fine mm-hmm. but it's a big step to buy the camera and start shooting. I had my first D 
DSLR, I think it was my 15th birthday. So I've always loved photography. Oh, okay. um, always loved it. Did it all throughout high school. Did studio art in VCA and did photography as all of my stuff. Um, I, my dad's uncle was a photographer and our mum and dad, the house that they own, my dad's parents built that when he was about 11 He's now 72, so it's it's been there for quite some time. What is now the laundry used to be a dark room. Wow. Yeah, that's a, a fun little tidbit. Um, so, Dad has always had – like the, one of the first cameras I learned to shoot on was a box brownie. So, loading the film. No idea what that there. is. Sounds oh, cute. Oh, it's, it's, <laughs> it really is basically just a box and then you have to sit it there while it's it, photography old school. So, I've always – you know, I grew up shooting analog and then my parents thought, okay, she loves this. I never wanted it to be my job job, mm. but that was how I made money in high school because when I was 16, I had the DSLR. So, all of my friends' older siblings were like, if we give your mate Gemma 50 bucks and three cruises, can she shoot my 18th <laughs> or my 21st or I my this. parents' anniversary? So, so you were basically – Event photographer. Yeah, that was what I did for year 10, 11, 12. Stop. Mm. The mm. 21sts, yeah. the 18ths. Yeah, and when I was – Love it. Because I started – I would take my camera to everyone's 16th birthday and they were like, oh, put the fucking camera down. Like you don't just enjoy the party. Long game. In my head I'm like, no, no, no. Some, one of your siblings is going to see these photos and go, oh, Okay, can she do that for my party? Yes, she can. So you've if you give me had some money. That kind of business brain. Always. Always. Where does that come from? I don't know. My parents don't know either, but I think I just don't think I have the personality to work for other people. Interesting. I don't think anyone that knew me growing up is surprised that I run a business now. That's interesting because mm. I part of what I've been challenged with but now I'm more or less have overcome is I've always because my one of my love languages is acts of service I tend Mine's to quality time okay <laughs> I tend <wondering>? to <laughs> I was wondering um I tend to give myself over to businesses sure. brands and bosses mm -hmm. and so when I'm just working for myself it's how do I translate my love language when there's no one to serve? Yeah. And so I've had to sort of reshape that into service to myself and my the broader message of what I'm trying to do. But that's fascinating because you've known forever mm. that you don't want no boss. Yeah. And I knew the industry I wanted to work in. I knew the whole the whole thing. Do you reflect on that much? Because, you know, some mm. sometimes I'm like, again, when I'm coaching, I'll go back to that there's a lot of conversation around purpose and not knowing why I'm here and what am I supposed to be doing. Do you reflect much on – because, again, I feel lucky also that I've always known it was mm. going to be in writing, journalism, communicating, telling stories. Yeah. I often I often think about it because you, even in school, I've got friends now that as adults are still oh, – Chris, he was working in hospitality and he thought for a long time he wanted to open a restaurant – and then he realised, actually, no, I want to take up a trade. So I'm surrounded by people who, as adults, are still figuring it out. And I think that's a great thing. So yes. I'm often thinking, how how did I know? It's, an, it's another story I've told. But my godmother was and still does as a contractor, producer at Channel 9. So my after-school care was just at the Channel 9 studios in Richmond. So if they wow. needed a kid in a show... I'd be like, does anyone know if Kate's goddaughter's here? And they'd just sort of plonk me in there. I cool. didn't I didn't want to act, but I knew I loved watching it all come together and I just loved media. Because mm. it's interesting, like, if I if I hear hear that as I'm hearing it, there could have been a very natural progression into being a TV presenter. I would still love to do that eventually. Really? Yeah. I. But <laughs> how many um, people over a size eight do we see on television? Yeah, so but this that. is – I mean, but that's One the opportunity. Day, oh, my God, that's so – And then I guess I go to, well, 
we're building our own media empires. So exactly, I just start my own TV show. Well, I, I mean, it's no different to podcasting. Mm. That came because I was listening to all of these other podcasts, interviews. I know that interviewing and having conversations with people is one of my strengths. So. I was like, why not just pass me the mic? Yeah. Like, why not make that opportunity for yourself if you can? Mm, let's talk about podcasting. Let's. It's our shared yeah. passion. Um, how have you found it? I just like. I pinch myself after every interview that I walk away from because I just, I think about when I first started writing fashion when I was 19 and I was so excited to, say, go to a store opening and the designer of the brand was in the room and I was like, this is a person who has created a brand, a product, whatever it may be, and I th- that's my idea of a celebrity, is someone who has created something. So the fact that I get to sit down once a fortnight with these people from all over the world who have created products that are in our bathrooms – and that we reach for every day, that to me is just the coolest thing, which is, again, I'm like, I'm so lucky. So, yeah, it's been it's been the best thing for me and for my ego because I'm like, I can't believe these people want to talk to me. I would do it even if no one was listening. So the fact me that too. they are is a beautiful thing. Well, I've said that a lot. Like. A little side note from me. I shared with Gemma that when I left my publishing role, I had a lot of people in the industry give me this worried look when I said I was launching a podcast. I got a lot of, so, is it just the podcast you're doing? I think it's very hard for women in senior roles, or really any role, to move on without a neat and tidy story. I wanted to share here that maybe that's something we can all take responsibility for. When a woman tells you she's leaving her job, let's not ask for a reason or what's next or put any undue pressure on her by saying, I can't wait to see what you do next. Because maybe she doesn't want to do anything at all. Maybe we could just say congratulations on making that decision for yourself. See, I you went straight from big job to this. There wasn't a lot of lead time. For me, I, I didn't get that because I started my own business in October 2016, started the podcast... October 2018. So I had already been, you know, glowjournal.com existed, Glow Journal Creative existed. I was already doing a lot of emceeing work. So really the only pushback I got when I said I'm going to start a podcast was, do you have time? Yeah, interesting. Um, which, which I had I? a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a funny thing because I had started, and I, I do tell this um, story a lot when I'm coaching because there's this perception that we launch things and they do well. Mm. Yes. And, you know, if I can sit in my ivory tower and tell, tell you I'm worried about podcasting because now this is this perception that you can just buy a microphone and, and start town. a podcast and there's an enormous responsibility, as you know, that comes along with the content that we're putting mm. out there. But also it's a full-time job in itself. Mm. Like I think there's, again, perhaps a perception from some that you just pick up the microphone, record the yeah. conversation – you know, like I have an amazing um, producer that helps me with mine, but I'm like, it's a lot of work. Like it's, it is. I spend, you know, up to 30 hours a week just on the mm. podcast. And then there's, of course, you know, yeah, all the other stuff that comes along with it. It's, it is a lot, but I think for me, it works because every facet of my business, beauty is the one constant. Mm. So when I am switching between, this tier of my business and then jumping over to this tier of my business, it doesn't feel like a leap. It Mm. all kind of flows together, which has been – it's just made life easier for Mm. me. It's a good – it's a good story for us to tell, like especially you saying you had your business established for two years Mm. and then there was a natural extension into podcasting. For me, I spent 12 months developing the concept. Yes. I must have written the about fucking a hundred times, continued to change the tagline and like the, even the design thinking. Yeah. And of course, like having a creative director as a husband, 
did not come in wrong. Uh-huh. But I was painful with him because the amount of edits I wanted and the refining and it's like your first idea is never the idea. Yes. It's like that's the seed and then it's how well can you push and extend it to get it somewhere where it's different, it's original. Mm. There was a moment uh, – well, Chris told me I should start the podcast six months before I did and then when the idea came to me in the shower, I've called him and I'm like, I have had the best <laughs> idea. He's like, oh, do you reckon, Jem? Who told you to start a business two years ago? Because that was also me, but on your demo. Uh, <laughs> I hate when he's right. Um, I There was a period of time where I th- – because I loved – I loved interviewing people and that was the whole reason I moved over to beauty from fashion because when I started in fashion, it was 2011, 2012, which is why everyone thinks I'm 110 years old, but I'm like, I I was 19. You are such a baby, yeah, because what are you now, like 26? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I feel, I mean, the term old soul Mm. feels like a wank, Mm. but that is how I feel. Oh, you've been here multiple times. I'm sure of that. Yeah. Um, I loved fashion because I loved sitting down with a designer and getting them to talk me through a collection and then me looking at that collection and going, ah, I see it. Fashion now and certainly when I left is more about personal styling. Yes. And that's not my skill set. And I have so many friends who are fashion bloggers now and are so good at it. And even now I look at them and I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't have been adding any value to that space. Mm. Beauty, I feel like I am adding value because there are all these stories behind brands that I loved and I thought, how do I share these? So there was a period of time where I thought, oh, maybe I'll do a book and maybe it will be interviews with the founders of all the brands that we love. Then I thought, oh, maybe, maybe it was ego. And I was like, well, then my voice isn't really in it, is there? It's <laughs> so just what words on me? a page. How can I <laughs> capitalise on a bit of exposure here? No, I just thought, okay, well, a book, you've got a number of pages to work with. You've got all these parameters that you have to work within, whereas podcasting felt more freeing to me. It wasn't mm. about deadlines. It wasn't about a word count. It was just let's sit down. Tell me about your brand. Mm. How did you earn your money? Yeah. <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> How does one become a multimillionaire? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. My um, love affair with, um, you know, what I'm going to just like go out on a limb and call like radio journalism. Yeah. Um, is 15 years long, old, strong. Mm-hmm. And so um, – Part of what I've been trying to delicately and um, politely challenge. Mm-hmm. Two is, things I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> is um, let's be very careful mm-hmm. with what we do with this medium because mm. we weren't responsible yeah. enough, I don't think, when it came to um, blogs and websites and yes. Instagram accounts and just because you – can be on a platform it doesn't mean you should be on a platform Mm. and so yeah I'm trying not to be the girl who's got the top performing podcast that says you can't be in podcasting I'm just saying let's just take a considered approach to is there a need for you to be in this space are you adding value to this space is there somebody doing this already and then if so can't you just promote them especially if it's a woman yeah who's gone out on her own say you know someone like you who's running her own business if you're already hmm. doing such important work in that area, then why not think about is there anything I could do or we could do to try and mm. promote that, help that grow? Considered is the word that you used there and that mm. is the theme of my life, I think. Is it? And that that exact thought process was what I went through in developing the Glow Journal podcast because my – Audience is different to say you beauty, Mm -hmm. Mamma Mia, and they are more um, educating the listener, product recommendations, um, you know, the fun what's in your handbag episodes. So I thought that's that's taken care of. 
Then you've got um, beautiful Brittany from Beauty Island, who started around I the same love time as that me. Podcast. She's she it's is one of my favorite interviews talent. I've done today. Yeah, yeah. she's amazing. Mm. She, I love the way she uses beauty to tell a story. Yes, that side of things also taken care of. There is. A, there's a new podcast that's come out quite recently called All Bases Covered um, and that is Beauty News mm. So, and it's wonderful. I look at those podcasts and what they're doing is amazing and we're all playing in very different spaces. Yes. And I think that is a beautiful thing because totally. it just reiterates that there is room for everyone as long mm. as you have considered what it is that you're doing. Totally. And I will add to that, there's also room for um, very healthy competition and challenging oh, yes. space. I totally get that as well. Mm. I've, you know, I don't know how much I can even go into it, but this is honest conversation. So let's just have an honest conversation. Yep. <laughs> I've really felt challenged with copycats. Um, sure. And I've, I've had pages of glowjournal.com. Ripped, ripped and put on other websites. I try and be in the world without judgment and, as you know, just try and think what does impeccable look like, Alison, how can we be graceful mm. right now, what is the state of being or the quality of being needed in this situation. When people are lifting my work, a rage comes yeah, over me. Of course. That I find extremely hard because it's 1am, it's 2am, as you know, I'm on my 50th edit of this copy. The fire alarm's gone off. The fire alarm's <laughs> gone off. I'm not going downstairs. I, the, my use of language, the words mm-hmm. I use, they are, it's so close to me. It's yeah. my, it's my literal, the fabric of my fucking being mm. is mm-hmm. in this work. And so, and you can tell I'm getting really like, I do get so disturbed by it mm-hmm. and there's not a lot now that I've been meditating that can rock me yeah but when it comes to this work because it's not about me it's for women it's for the listener I get extremely protective of course I have found it really hard to navigate because the first thing I want to do is go on Instagram and be like hey you stop doing that um I get texts I get mm-hmm. screenshots from my friends I get calls there mm. was a period of two weeks where I was getting a call every day saying oh, my God, this is yours. Oh, my God, this is your work. How is this still happening? I know. And what I eventually got to the point of saying to those amazing people who are there supporting me is the way you can help me is by sharing my work. Yes. The way you can help me is by donating to my podcast. The way Mm. you can help me is by recommending my podcast to people in your life. Mm -hmm. What doesn't help me is when you show me somebody lifting my work because that puts me into a state of, turmoil i don't know how jasmine dowling does it oh what an angel walking the face of the earth she's i'm obsessed with her in every sense i do not know how she does it because her work is everywhere yeah i not a day goes by that someone isn't blatantly plagiarizing her and i do not know how she does it Mm. because i would go into a murderous rage Mm. And then get a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, so we don't throw money at the problem and <laughs> hopefully it would go away. Well, this comes back to the responsibility and I think, you know, a majority of my listenership isn't media and mm-hmm. creators and creatives um, purposefully, shouldn't yeah. be, rightly. Um, but, you know, I have been trying to educate a bit on saying if you are one, let's think. Yeah. Is what I'm doing original? Mm-hmm. Did anybody ask for this yes (laughs) is a big one yeah because I don't know how you're thinking about growth but I'm certainly in this sort of wait to respond world Mm. where I'm seeing what are the trends yeah what are people asking me a lot about Mm -hmm. where does there seem to be a gap where I could yeah see I and I think I think the difference is the the categories that we're each in Mm. because for me when I think about what people ask for my mind immediately goes to Instagram. With the podcast, people aren't asking for me to do anything differently because I think it has become clear that certainly at this stage, it is a podcast that is about interviews with beauty brand founders. That is is what it is. With Instagram, 
I am asked all the time, show more of your personal life. Yes. Do more of this, do more of that. As bad as it sounds, makes me not want to do it. Does it? So I was going to ask, have you considered what extending into more of your actual life and personal life looks like or you're a hard no? Uh, I just I just don't think it's relevant. I don't think that it's – I don't think it adds value. What I think adds value is honest beauty commentary. Yeah. That's where my focus is and I think the big thing for me, every single element of my business – is seated in digital. Glowjournal.com, it's a blog. Glowjournal Creative, it's copywriting, mostly for web. And the photography side of it is all for web also. Um, the podcast, my Instagram, the only part of that that is away from digital is emceeing. Mm-hmm. And even then, how are people finding me through, through Instagram. Instagram? So when I am with my partner, my friends, my family, I might do a quick little video, but then that phone is away. I'm not going to touch it. Mm. So I don't want – it's not that I – I don't even feel like a particularly private person. I think I'm pretty much an open book, but I don't want to be touching my phone during those moments. Totally. And I think um, – oh, Amanda Shadforth wrote a beautiful piece on it for Vogue a for few Vogue, months ago. I read that. It was so beautiful. Yeah, that yeah. really resonated with me. Yeah. She is someone who, um, you know, of course we've all been watching for so long. Mm. Just total respect yeah. for the way she's built that business mm-hmm. and her brand. I really look It's not at about what she's her, it's doing. about her yeah. work and her expertise and her taste levels mm. and... Mm. Well, that's why it's Glow Journal because initially it was gemkwatts.com because yeah. I just wanted it to be a portfolio of Gemma Watts, the copywriter. And then when I realised, okay, actually, no, the way for me to grow this business and if I were to bring on staff and work with contractors and have other people working on these projects, they can't be writing under my name. It needs to be – Totally. It needs to be separate. What good foresight. Yeah, I, I – Really give myself a little pat on the back no, for that. It's, it's not the Gemma Watts show. Totally. And again, I go back to coaching. All the advice I'm giving is do not build a business on your name. Yes. I'm not saying we build things to think about selling them. No. But there might be an opportunity in 10 years' time, you don't know, mm-hmm. where there's an investor that comes in or a, um, a media business, whatever they'll look like in a decade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Um, where, you know, offering up at least a part of your business might make a lot of sense for growth even. Sure. Um, and the challenge I think some influencers and some media brands um, are facing now mm. is if the founder no longer wants to be in the business but the business is the founder's name, what does, what does one founder do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think the other thing for me that was in my head, certainly the growth of the business a big part of that is the name of the business. The other thing was what I saw as my point of difference and still do is that it is objective beauty commentary. Yes. It's very easy for me to say this is my favourite lipstick because it is so good on my skin tone. I try not to do that. I try to be as objective as possible. Obviously, mm. there is an element of subjectivity with beauty because of course there is. Yeah. It's the same as fashion. It's the same with anything in the arts. However, if I am to be objective, how can my name be att- – like having your name attached to something yes. makes it subjective from the get-go before mm. anyone's even started to read the review. Do you um, – how do you – okay, so this is just like we're all on Instagram all the time. Yes. You have to do this a lot, which is this is not sponsored but. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Because what I want to say is, is there any way we can put up some sort of like notice or is there a highlight where we have a rule that says like, if, you know, by choosing to follow me, A, thank you so much because mm-hmm. you are our livelihood. Know that if I don't say it's sponsored that it's 100% not because I'm just in this world where I'm like, I don't want you to have to say that for me because I know if it is, you're going to put ad. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. I and I have spent a lot of time ruminating over this very point, hence 
the not sponsored, just good hashtag. But it's oh, is that what you're using? Of a signature. Okay. I that started because before I was working with Mecca in the capacity that I do now, I was just posting a lot of Mecca stuff because that is where I shop. That's, because Mecca. It's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if Joe Organ says it's good, yeah. you know, it's I'm good. I'm putting it on my face. But people were going, oh, okay, we get it. You're sponsored by Mecca. No, 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 no. And even no. Um, <laughs> so when I, I thought, okay, well, if I, you and other people in this space know that if something is sponsored, it will have ad. Although I know a lot of people that aren't doing it. Well, this is... Again, we go back to responsibility. Yeah, I know Help a lot us. of people that aren't, yeah. but um, I I will always put ad, and I hope that people know that. But I thought, okay, well, if I say if it's not sponsored as well, then all bases are covered. The same goes for unboxing videos. But doesn't it just annoy you that you have to say that? It does, but it's um it's not enough of any inconvenience for me to <laughs> really nice dwell okay. on it. Um, I'm like, how much is this inconveniencing me? Not all that much. Mm. I do it at the start of unboxing videos as well. I don't get as much pushback on the, in fact, I don't get any pushback on those now because I think if people don't like what I'm doing, they've already unfollowed me, which is fantastic. Yes. But I used to get with unboxing videos. The big one was this is feeding into a more, more, more consumerism culture. Like we don't need all this stuff. You don't need all this stuff. Sure. Um, on your way. Jog on. Yeah. <laughs> you you are correct. Okay. Um, packaging. Oh, yeah. Not sustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of links in with point A, um, you're just showing off all of the product that you've got. Um, what do you do with all the stuff you don't use? This seems wasteful. So on. It's, oh, and then also we know it's not sponsored, but the fact that you're showing what you've been gifted, there's obviously going to be a little bit of bias there. No, there's not mm. because, and it sound, uh, this does sound like me showing off. I post the unboxings of maybe 15% of what I am sent. Yes. I only show things if it's a brand that I'm excited about. Perhaps I already use the products. Um, I only really show stuff that I think I will actually have an opportunity to use this. I get sent stuff all the time that I don't even take the seal off because I am taking it to the women's shelter and they don't accept things without a seal. And those that's a things fact get, for everyone. Yes. Yeah. Those that things is get what put we away do with straight the stuff away. we don't use. Yeah. Is we gift it to charities. You know, we Family and do, friends certainly benefit. But yeah. Yeah. Dress for success is yeah. a big one for me. Amazing. Yeah. I do a disclaimer now at the start of every video just saying like, quick one, you're all aware already. Yes, this is gifted. No, it's not sponsored. There is no obligation for me to post. So there is absolutely no bias in what I'm posting. I'm not telling you my opinions on the product because as you can see, I have not opened them yet. This is not a review. This is merely a piece of news on what is arriving in stores Mm. within the next fortnight. Mm. It is nothing more than that. It is nothing less than that. So you just take Take this as news. Practical, pragmatic approach in to every it. part of my life yeah i didn't know i just as a um co- like consumer of your content mm. and other beauty you know writers and bloggers i just feel like i don't want you to feel like you have to say that for me because i know and trust you but i understand there's still that other pocket of people that are going to make yeah. assumptions so you have to just clear it up it just seems like you want to put out this beautiful content and have this positive stuff out there but you have to start it at this place that's like let's just deal with the money first which seems like it is a shame but I mean at its core if that is I I know that people trust me because I'm so transparent so if that is helping people trust me I know Eleanor has to go through a similar thing yeah and she's so good at it but I think if that's what's helping people trust us then Mm. great Mm. Can we talk about um, diversity Yes, in the beauty space? Yeah. That's something you're very passionate about. Yeah. How are you thinking about your responsibility there but also what advice do you have for perhaps brands? I think this is something that I only really started – like I'm, I'm late to it but I only really started thinking about it probably this year. Mm-hmm. So now I'm trying what I'm trying to do 
is make a conscious effort to work with brands that are diverse in their shade range and show women of, you know, ideally different shapes and sizes in their campaigns. That is, you know, a difficult one. Mm. That's why I love Isle of Paradise because Jules is... Jules is the best. Truly one of the best human beings I've ever met. Oh, truly. He's incredible. Um, so I, I, I am trying... I'm not the best at it. Mm. I um, again privileged. Yeah, I yeah. I'm but very this is the big thing. It's um, it's a hard one. But we, this is where I. Went. I shared with Gemma that when it comes to taking a stance on diversity and inclusion, we so often stay silent in fear of getting it wrong. Like any change we want to see in the world, we need more people doing it imperfectly than we do few people doing it perfectly. If you're tasked with creating content, ask yourself the question I learnt from Minaj's episode in season three. Who is not reading this and why? Make a stance. The I'm, I'm again fortunate in that my podcast is just brand founders. So as long as you mm. tick that box, mm. you're in. But I probably the thing I struggle with the most is am I doing enough? And I've spoken a bit about um Particularly with sizes, yes, I've got a like as confident as I am. I've had a fucking shocker of a ride with like body image, but I mean, I was a plus size model for a stint. It's hysterical. I didn't so know that. Ten to twelve plus size. Plus size. Mm, but then I I didn't work much because they were like, if we cast you as like the token plus size, the general public is going to go well. But but she is not. She is the size. <laughs> so <laughs> we all are. Yeah. yeah. And then I think also from dancing, you have in your head like I need to be a certain size. Um, so I try to talk about that a bit, but then you also don't want those conversations to feel forced. So then I in know. my head, I'm like, it feels a bit silly if I'm just jumping on Instagram, like, hey guys, let's talk about bums. <laughs> so it's a strange one, but I'm constantly like, am I? Am I doing enough? Mm. But as to your point, we're all trying. That's what we're on this earth to do. Well, just I think to the try. fact that it's, um, you know, the way I'm thinking about it for offline is it's a mandate. Mm. So the fact that it's a mandate, yeah, I've got to go easy on myself to, to myself to go well. At least you're doing that. Going easy on yourself is a very important thing. Yes, because the responsibility is huge um mm. i'm glad we spoke about that because it's yeah. not something that you know i'm constantly worried that yeah i'm the perception of you're this white privileged girl who has this podcast yeah. and now you want to have a conversation about diversity but i do try and tell my entire story as much as i can you know mm. we're talking about who we do interviews with and why yeah one of my kind of prerequisites now is what part of my story can I tell? Mm. Because glorifying the group publisher job yeah. is of no interest to me anymore. Mm -hmm. Do I want to talk about um, growing up, you know, without a lot mm -hmm. and being in public housing, say? Yeah. Do I want to talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. I do. So any opportunities that I can take that allow me to do that. Are you mm. thinking a lot about that yourself, like what parts of your story you share? Definitely. I think um, something that I've thought about a lot in recent months is, I mean, we keep coming back to privilege. Mm. And that, I mean, the fact that I'm thinking about that is also why I'm thinking, am I doing enough? Am I doing enough? Because, and this is something I only admitted out loud this year, because there is... You don't want to come across as arrogant, but you also can't be ignorant. I am working in beauty and a lot of that comes down to looking a certain way. Mm. And I have to find that balance between arrogance and ignorance. Mm. I, like I, I think it's just something for me to be aware of. Mm. So that's where I'm at at the moment as far as... What I what I do and don't put out there. Well, one of the things I appreciate about you, and I've told you this before on DM, like say, I really love your teeth. 
Oh, yeah, a little snaggle. And what I love about your teeth is their beautiful imperfection. Thank you very much. Because it's, it's character building for me. It's like uh-huh. watching you talk mm. and, you know, people get to know our voices and yeah. our mannerisms and all of that stuff. It's one of my favourite things is looking at your teeth when you're talking. That's nice. That's because I was like, don't fix them. That's like, well, it's actually <laughs> – or, or fix them. What does that even mean? Uh, Invisalign, which eventually <laughs> I will do. But the, <laughs> the, the reason for that – there's that what is it the um like the upholder the challenger the rebel and the other one that I've forgotten but I often it's the or the opportunist no is that I one? don't know yeah. but I often sometimes like I've done the quiz multiple times sometimes I fall into the upholder category but often it's the rebel I my wisdom teeth grew a decade ago and I am yet to have them <laughs> removed because I'm like well they're not causing me any pain. So why do it? Mm. Dentist is like, okay, well, you know, you've got a tooth that's being pushed out of the way. I'm like, whatever. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> so mm. will I get them removed? I don't know if I can be bothered. Yeah. I just do things on my time. Yeah. And on when I feel time. like, yeah. Mm. Yeah, that was my um, MySpace handle for a while. Was it? All right, stop, Gemma time. <laughs> and then when Summer Heights High came out and Mr. G had a mug that said, it's not free time, it's G time. That was life. Yeah, that's been me <laughs> since then. But I hope that's helpful for you to think about because um, – and I, I feel you. You know, I'm taking a lot of fucking selfies and – Oh, go nuts. Yeah, but like – I so and I'm going to do an episode on it anyway, so I'll talk about it now, but Botox. Mm. So I first got oh, Botox. I asked about this era day. Yeah, I first got it when I was 28 um, – a few months before my wedding mm-hmm. and my mum has it, my two sisters have it, like a hereditary um, lo- big deep line sure. in between our eyes. And I was like, I'm just going to get that taken Why care not? of. I was a beauty editor at the time so it was just yep. offered to me a lot. Um, went to someone that I shouldn't have trusted oh. them too much. Ah. Could barely express emotion on my wedding day. <laughs> Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> it's full on. I look at the oh, – I can't look at the photos now because I'm like, you look like like you're crying, but <laughs> you're happy. Um, but I have um, consistently had Botox since mm-hmm. I was 28 and now I'm 34. I'm like, am I 35? No, I'm 34. Where I'm at now is, um, you know, and I talk about the doctor I go to. I talk about what it means to be undertreated. I talk about what – like just trying to educate women. I get a lot of DMs mm-hmm. like – I call it baby Botox, right? Yes. 15 units yeah. isn't a lot. Okay. A lot of women go and get 30 to 40 units. So this knowing is so foreign to me. <laughs> right. So knowing when you walk in mm-hmm. to that doctor what their um, agenda is and how they're mm. being paid. Agenda. If you're going to go to a clinic where they are earning more money, the amount of units that they can sell you, mm-hmm. you've got to know this. Yeah. Or you go to a doctor who just – is an expert in practices. They take long to get into. They cost usually three times the price. There's a reason for all that stuff. But what they'll generally do is they'll undertreat you. Mm-hmm. That's, versus yeah. pump your face full of Botox and your face can't move. Not good. Mm. The, all of that said, where I'm at now is back to my responsibility. Mm-hmm. I have to fall in love with my face. Sure. As it naturally ages. Because, you know, I always joke to Tony, I'm like, how does it feel to be married to someone who will never look different than this? <laughs> but that's not reality. I'm going to have a baby. I'm going to, mm. you know, hopefully if I can breastfeed. Yeah. And I'm kind of looking at that chapter of my life as the push I need mm-hmm. to get off it, quite frankly. It's this weird thing where it's like i got to like my face without it because I don't mm. want to be doing this for the rest of my life. Yeah. Mm. I... I've not had anything done contrary to popular belief. Really? Like, so people think you have. Look at how far my eyebrows go up. But you're also 26. I know. But this, like, that's pretty amazing. It is I amazing. wish there was a visual <laughs> <laughs> component. My forehead just barely moves naturally. And I also, um, people think I've had my masseters done because my face slimmed down a bit about 18 months ago. So is people, that when people get yes, Botox, Botox in, in the jawline? jawline yeah. Yes, it's like jaw slimming. I haven't had anything done. I'll overline my lips and they're like, oh, shit. Know, she's had a little, little some some. I'm not against it though. Mm. Uh, I think, and I have had long conversations with my friends about this and I've read things about it online. 
I fall into the camp of if you are in the public eye and you have had work done, be honest about it. You've got to talk about it. However, I know that people fall into a different camp of if you have a younger following, you shouldn't be talking about Botox because then they will think I need to go and get Botox. But then I come back to – Okay, this is interesting. Yeah, because I hadn't thought about that side of it. So, they don't want to promote it. Yeah. So other people that follow them get it. Yes. Right. But I think it's just as dangerous for them to be saying, yeah, this is just how I look. And then these young people are going, well, how come I don't look like that? And also knowing that they're following multiple other people. Yeah. That are probably telling them what they get done and they're going to be influenced by them anyway. I can name three fitness influencers mm. off the top of my head who have had their boobs done. Yeah. And I know young girls look at them and go – how are they so slim, but they've still got mm. perky boozies. Boozies. I mean. Oh, it's hard. But and I get the other side of it. I get not talk- wanting to promote yeah. it. Talking about it now, oh, it's totally exposing, right? Because mm. I'm opening up a part of a you know, part of me and choices I've made, but also um inviting a conversation. Yes. That um will be steeped in judgment. Yeah, of course. Um, But no, I, yeah, I hear you. I've tried to be honest about it just, yeah, to say like, I mean, I'm 34, my forehead should be moving by this (laughs) (laughs) and it's not. But then I go back to, again, okay, maybe a bit of preventative. Yeah. You know, but then there's this thing called, um, I'll get this wrong, muscle dystrophy. Yeah, no, that's it. Yeah. So if you're over-treated. you pretty sure. Yeah. (laughs) Doctors. Mm. If you start getting Botox young before Mm. you arguably need it as a preventative measure and you're over-treated, your muscles begin to waste away because they're not being used. Right. And so you're going to get to, right, 30 Mm. or 40. What is going to happen to your face then? So again, I go back to going to recommended doctors who his preference is to undertreat. Yeah. But who can also talk to you about some of the risks involved versus going somewhere where if there's a sign out the front and a promotion for Botox, don't go there. Agreed. That would be my number one rule. If it sounds cheap and too good to be true. It is. It 100% is. Yep. Um, but again, I'll go back to I want to get off it. Sure. You know, but I've got to fall in love with that process as well yeah and maybe it will be when i do fall pregnant i don't know um or maybe it will be before that because then some part of me is like why don't you just get used to your face now yeah so that you know when you're also going through the hormones of pregnancy you're also not dealing with oh my god my face i have a very um now finally and i still have off days but now i have a very healthy relationship with the way that i look yes um i know one side of my face is better than the other that's fine that's interesting. You have a very symmetrical face. I disagree. This, uh, the right side, awful. Interesting. <laughs> um, and <laughs> looking now, I'm like, mm. but I, the thing that I come back to, which is maybe counterproductive because it's less. I love the way I look. It's more. Oh, what the fuck does it matter? Like mm. if if my defining trait if some here this is the way that I think of it and this is the way that I've tried to describe it to my girlfriends if someone said to you oh which one's Gemma again and you said oh um you know the one with the green eyes and the fringe what does that say about me like sure that shouldn't be what is most memorable about you and then I think about I love this. Yeah, because I think – and I've got a lot of very, very beautiful friends and friends who are models. I never describe them by being like, oh, she's the one with the boobs and the long hair. Mm. I'll say, oh, she's so funny. She's the one I went to that restaurant with. Or, oh, you know her. She works for so-and-so. And I don't actually know a lot of people that when they say, oh, tell me about such and such. You're not talking about the way they look. Mm-hmm. So yeah. this is that great line um, which was a positive driver for me in leadership. What do you want people to say about you when you're not in the room? Yeah. This is not in ego. Mm-hmm. This is in um, morals, standards, values. Yes. Character. But it mm. comes back to the content you're producing. Yeah. Is it adding value? Mm. Are you as a person adding value? Mm. I hope so. I could talk to you all day, but I'm busting for a wee. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Kegeling. <laughs> it's like my blood is about to burn. Well, thank you for being on my podcast. Thank you can for you, having Can we just me? talk about the fact that I didn't look at my questions? No, you didn't, I did had you? Like five you spent anyway. about three hours trying to find them and then <laughs> just fell by the wayside. just have a chat and yeah. then I'd feel very comfortable to do that. So thank you for making the time. My pleasure. Being here. Thank you Dark. for having me. And good to meet you in the flesh. Yes. I almost forgot on the way here that we hadn't because we've been in the DMs for, I want to say, upwards of 12 months. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Christ. <laughs> um, okay. Ciao. <laughs>